Oh dear. Hey guys, and welcome to Coffee Encoding, the app developer podcast. I'm your host, Rob J, and in this episode, I discuss my top tips to successfully deliver a freelance project. Now on to the show. So before we get into my top tips, I'm going to share with you an experience I had fairly recently where I took on a four-month client project, which turned into a nine-month client project with only half the payment paid to me from the client as we approached the eight months into the project. So essentially, half the payment for the project was made when it was almost 100% completed. So how does this happen? So the project itself was taken on an iOS conversion project. So a client came to me, they have an iOS app already, and they wanted to basically clone the app to Android. So they just want to take the iOS app and they wanted to make the exact same thing on Android. So they'd have an iOS and an Android native app. And that's fine. That's nothing new. That's that's not the first time I've done a project like that. There's a lot of clients out there that have a project like that. And the things that you have to remember when you take on a project like this is when you're cloning an app, a lot of the information that you need is missing because the client thinks that it's a given that you already have the finished product on another platform. So you don't need a spec sheet. You don't need designs. You can just look at it and copy it, which is fine. You can do that, but you have to remember that a lot of it is kind of eyeballing things. And when it comes to the details of how the thing actually works, that's when it gets rather complicated. So anyways, so I had a look at the app. Yes, I can deliver it. The client said we need it to be delivered in three months. I had another look at the app. Yep. Looks like I could do that. That's fine. It's pretty straightforward. And so I started the project. And so the first month went fine. I built, you know, the, the login screen and all that stuff, delivered it to the client. They came back maybe a little bit over a week later and said, you know what, it's great, but there's a bunch of bugs here. So we need to fix these. And at the same time as I'm fixing these, I'm already working on delivering the next milestone. So I've now added work to my already quite big workload because I'm trying to deliver this whole thing in three months. And then it kind of just spiraled out of control from there. And just like a rough list of the things that I did wrong that listening to this, you definitely don't want to do is one, I didn't do a deep dive into the feature set to understand everything. I just looked at the UI of the app and I was like, yeah, I've built stuff like this before. I could do this. I didn't look into the libraries that I would need to do things. So one of the things that the client wanted was they wanted to add like Instagram filters to photos and videos. And I kind of just did a quick Google and assumed like Instagram has been doing this stuff for years. So there must be tons and tons of libraries out there that could do this. And I just need to pick one and plug it in. And it turns out it really isn't that straightforward, especially when you factor in most people, or I should say a lot of people, don't have really high-end devices. So, so so something that works really, really fast when you've got an S21 Ultra does not work really, really fast when you've got just, you know, your standard Google Pixel 5. Another thing that I did wrong was I didn't buffer in any time for overrun or unforeseen issues. Three months was a really, really tight deadline. And I should have definitely had overrun, you know, a couple of months, probably at least, at least one month in case things went wrong. And then another issue which I didn't factor in was I didn't factor in the end client dragging their feet. So a four month project turned into a nine month project, but probably five of those months was literally waiting for the client to get back to me with their testing feedback to say, yes, this thing is fixed or no, this thing is not fixed. Or a lot of the time it will be, oh, and we found another bug. And so then I have to go back and wait for them to finish testing that. And all of this results from, I I didn't do the upfront due diligence well enough and I didn't make the contract clear enough. So I didn't make the contract clear enough so that when these situations presented themselves, there was already a contractual solution to that issue. So all of that said, that's just a brief 
overview of some of the bad experiences I've had so that I can make sure that you guys have a good experience. So these are my top tips to successfully deliver a freelance project and set yourself up for success. So the first thing is you need to understand the project upfront. So if somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I want you to build me this thing, or can you build me this thing, or how much does it cost is usually the question you get to build this thing. The first thing that you need to know is a breakdown of exactly what you're expected to build. So you want a spec sheet, or you want something that very granularly defines, right, there's going to be a login page, we would like you to be able to log in with your Facebook, your Google, and your mobile phone number via SMS confirmation code type thing and then the next thing would be like okay and we also want to capture profile pictures and profile videos and we also want to be able to display a list of posts and each of those posts needs to be able to be saved and it needs to be able to be liked and it needs to be able to be shared and and all of the granular detail that you need to know so that you can build all the different features and if you take on a project like I did where a client comes to you and says hey can you clone this existing thing onto whichever platform it is that you work on then what you want is for the client to come back to you and you could say, right, can you give me a list of all the things that you expect me to clone from this from this project? And you want that to be the exact same breakdown. So I want you to clone the sign-in screen. I want you to have Google, Facebook, and you know phone number login and all of that kind of stuff. Because then that way, when you get to the end of the project, you can go through this breakdown of specs and you can say, I've delivered every single one of these things And the client can't come back to you and say, oh, but you missed this thing because they never told you about this thing. That way, the onus is on them to provide you the details of what they want built and not for you to have to look at the project and figure out what they want built. So the next thing, once you have all that information, is you want to understand how long is it going to take? And that's partly experience and that's partly research. So you could look at a project and let's say you're trying to build a a basic social media app and you could say, right, I could probably build all of those things in three months, right? But then you have to look a little bit deeper and be like, right, well, does it have push notifications? Is that going to add extra time? Have I done that before? Is it going to add extra time? Okay, let's add some extra time for that. Have I worked with Facebook and Google login before? Yes or no. How much extra time is that going to add? Okay, a bit of extra time there. Let's add some more. How long will it take for me to implement Instagram type filters for photos? And then you have to do a bit of research. What library are you going to use? And, and make sure you do good research. So don't just do what I did and Google it and be like, oh yeah, there's 15 different libraries because none of them might be relevant to what you're trying to do. And once you have an understanding of that, then you can put together a realistic timeline of how long you think it's going to take you to build this project. And then what you can do is you can go back to the client. And if the client came to you and said, I want this built in three months, you can go back to the client and say, I can deliver this in eight months. And before you give the, the client a chance to say, whoa, like that is a really long period of time and we're probably going to go with someone else. You can go back to them and say, I'm going to deliver in eight months and give them a breakdown of how long each thing is going to take. So, you know, sign in screen with Google, Facebook and phone login. It's going to take two weeks. The next thing is going to take three weeks. The next thing is going to take a week. So at the end of it, they can look at it and be like, right, all of these things is going to take this amount of time, which equates to eight months, including a buffer at the end for things that go wrong. And the client can't come back to you and say, actually, I want you to deliver it in three and I want you to compress implementing the login into one day because that's not realistic. So they could come back to you and say no, because maybe there's somebody else that said they'll do it in three months. But as long as you give them a breakdown of what your timeline is so that they know that it's a realistic timeline, you have a much better chance of landing that gig. And then assuming that they're okay with the timeline, then the next thing you want to do is negotiate the price. So 
there's a few factors at play here, right? So a lot of people say, you know, know your worth and understand, you know, how much you're going to earn, let's say in an hour, usually how many hours you're going to have to contribute to this project. And then you figured out this is your price, right? Is your hourly rate times how many hours this project is going to take. But there's a few caveats to that. So one, depending on the type of client, a lot of clients that go to independent developers don't really understand how much an app costs, which means that one, they might not have the money that you actually are worth in terms of your time, in which case it could be don't take on that project, but it could also be not don't take on that project, but why are you taking on that project? So for example, I will take on projects where I will get paid a lot less money than I could make anywhere else because that project fits my requirements in terms of lifestyle. So I would take on a three-month freelance project where I can work whenever I want for as many or as few hours as it takes me to complete the project as long as I deliver it on time and I will work for less money than I could get paid in those three months working every day for a client as a contractor because I don't want to do that, I want the freedom. So there is definitely a balance to be had between negotiating your price in terms of what you're worth, how long is it going to take, is it going to be worth it at the end of the project, so there's no point pricing yourself really low and working on an eight-month project and at the end of it you don't really have any money to show for it because basically that just covered your expenses. So there's all those things to take into it into account, but once you've negotiated the price and then, then the next thing that you want to do is, is structure the contract. Now the first thing to know is that there's a, most clients either have their own contracts that they send to everybody or if they're pretty new at this, they'll just get one off Google and you have to read through the contract because there'll be things in there that you may not want. So for example, a lot of the contracts that I see say you can't work on other things, anything you build during the time that you're contracted with us, we own all of this kind of stuff, right? And I'm an independent developer. So I build apps for myself. I build apps I release in the Play Store. I have apps that I maintain because I've previously released them on the Play Store. I have other projects like this podcast that I, I do. And so the clauses in these contracts are so wide and so non-specific that me releasing this podcast episode today could mean that technically speaking, any company that I might be working for right now, if they have that kind of clause in their contract, they own this podcast episode. So these are things that you'd have to go back and be like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to like, I don't agree to this. I don't agree to this. You need to remove these from the contract. And you be nice about it and you say why. I normally say this exact reason, like, well, I have a podcast and this phrase is so generic that it means that you would own my podcast and obviously that's not going to happen. And they might change the wording a little bit or they might remove it entirely. entirely. That's correct, yeah. So that's the first thing. Once you get all of that basic stuff out of the way, the next thing you want to do is you need to break down the project into deliverables. And the deliverable is a piece of work that you're going to deliver at a specific time in exchange for a installment of the total cost of the project. So let's say project costs $25,000 or pounds or, you know, wherever you are in the world, your currency, and the project is going to take five months. So you create five different deliverables, which is five milestones. And each time you deliver one of those milestones, at a specified date, the client releases 5,000 pounds of that payment until you've delivered all the milestones in which case you've then earned your $25,000 and they've got that thing that they paid for. Now, a big part of working with freelance clients is trust. And if you're working with a new client, really neither of you have built up any trust. So a client is not going to pay you for delivering something. They're going to pay you for delivering something that works. So the way that you want to structure the contract is you want to say, right, let's take a social media app, for example, Milestone 1, you say you're going to deliver the sign up and login pages, right? And they're going to sign you up and they're going to log you in and they're going to work and they're just going to take you to a blank home screen because you haven't built the home screen yet. 
and you say it's going to take you one month to deliver that so it's a five-month project so you have a specified date the project starts on the 1st of July so on the 1st of August I'm going to deliver milestone one which is going to be part of the app which lets you sign in sign up and the client will be able to test that out then what I would advise you have in the contract is you have a specified period of days that the client has to approve or reject that milestone before the payment is released so I would say seven days right so you deliver the milestone on the correct day the first of the month and then the client has until the seventh of the month to come back to you and say yes this is great we're going to release the payment and pay it into your bank account or no this thing doesn't work in which case you go back and you make changes and you send it back now the thing that you don't want to get into is you don't want to get into this infinite loop where you send something the client comes back with changes you make the changes you go back they come back with more changes you you make the changes you go back they come back with more bugs and this just keeps going on and you're not getting paid for anything but you're still doing all this work so the way that i would say that you structure it is they have a seven day period to approve or reject it if they approve it the money gets released development continues with milestone two if they don't approve it then no development continues with milestone two until they approve that milestone that way the onus is on the client to approve or reject that milestone in a timely manner because they want to get the rest of the work done and you're not going to start work on milestone two until they've either approved that or rejected it and come back with changes that you need to make and then you can make those changes And the onus is also on you to deliver work that works. And if they come back and say there's bugs, the onus is on you to fix those bugs in a timely manner so you can get paid because you're not going to get paid until they approve it. But at the same time, they're not going to get any more work done until they approve it. So that way it prevents either of you from dragging your feet. So once you have that contract in place and it takes a bit of negotiation going back and forth with the client saying this is the breakdown, this is how I want to build it, etc. And really... The milestones is however you want to do it. So if you want to build the the app entirely backwards and you want to start with the setting screen, then you want to build the home feed. And then the very last milestone you want to build is a sign in, sign up. That's up to you. And you can say, this is how I'm going to build it. And they just need to understand what you're doing so that they can test it so that they can approve or reject the milestones as they come in. And then the third and final thing is communication. Communication is probably, well, is definitely the number one thing. Once you've set up the contract correctly, the next thing is communication because you don't want to have to message clients every day and you don't want them hassling you every day. Hey, what are you doing? Hey, have you done this? Hey, have you done? You don't want to do any of that, right? Your milestones are clearly defined. All you need to do is give them regular status updates. Even if it's just once a week, you send them a message saying, hey, everything's going well. We're on track to deliver the next milestone. That's all the client needs to know to know that work's going on. You don't want to have an entire month of nothing and then something gets delivered because the client doesn't know what you're doing. For one, they don't actually know if you're doing anything. They're kind of just waiting to see what turns up and nobody wants to be in that position. And it would be the same thing on your end where if you send off a milestone and you don't hear back for a month, you want to know like, oh, the client's got delayed because they can't test it for whatever reason. You want them to message you and in the same way, you want to keep them in the loop about what things are going on. The other part of the communication is you want to notify the client as soon as possible if you're going to miss a deadline. So I had a project where I had broken it into three milestones and then it turns out that one of the parts of one of the milestones was much, much bigger piece of work than I anticipated. So I had to message the client and be like, really sorry, I'm not going to be able to finish milestone two because it's actually going to take me two months. So what I want to do is take milestone two, split it into two different milestones. I'll deliver what I've got now and that will cover milestone two and you can approve or reject and then release the payment. And then I'll finish milestone three as we agreed 
and then I'll add on milestone four, which will be finishing up this piece of work that I'm not able to finish now. And you want to tell the client, you just want to be upfront. You don't want to, you don't want to miss deadlines. You don't want to, you want to set expectations. You want to make sure that the client knows exactly what to expect. And if that changes, they know that it's changed. So they still know what to expect. And then the final part about communication is you want to notify the client as soon as possible if there's anything in the contract that you feel like you have to enforce. So for example, you complete milestone one, you send it to the client, the client says, great, thanks, we'll give it a look. And then you don't hear anything from them for 10 days, right? Now the contract you set up said they will approve or reject it within a week, seven days, and they haven't. So you send them a message and you just say, you know, hey, hope everything is well, as per the contract, I'm not working on the next milestone until the previous milestone is approved. Let me know if you need any help testing it or, or or something like that, right? So then that way the client knows I'm dragging my feet. If I'm dragging my feet, the rest of the project is going to get delayed because of me, because that developer is not going to start work on the next thing until I've come back to him about this thing. And then that way, that means that if you end up in the position where you don't hear back from the client, you're not in this limbo position where is the client expecting me to be doing work? Are they expecting that they're going to come back and say, oh, we forgot, yeah, this milestone is fine. Really looking forward to you delivering milestone two this week when actually you haven't been working on it for a month because you haven't heard from the client for a month. So this way, it, re- it just removes all the ambiguity. They know where they stand. You know where you stand. And that means everybody understands what the expectations are. Nobody's going to be let down. And overall, the project should be a success. Finally, if you like the show, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to leave us a rating or a review. You can do that either via Apple Podcasts or via podchaser.com. The link is in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com slash donate. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so on Twitter at lowcarbrob. And if you'd like to connect with like-minded developers and other listeners, you can do so in our Slack community at coffeeencodingpod.com slash Slack. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.